My name is Sarah Inglis, and I'm a certified integrative health coach. I help people thrive in their bodies and reclaim the health they've always wanted. Each week, I interview people who have a passion for health. You'll hear from health experts, farmers, herbalists, doctors, chefs, and many more. My hope is that they'll inspire us all to tune into our gut and notice how lifestyle and food impact us. Dr. Liz Lister is an OBGYN medical doctor, best-selling author and speaker, and an expert in perimenopause and menopause. In her private practice in the San Francisco Bay Area, she helps women and men in midlife and beyond lose weight, have more energy, increase their motivation and drive, and generally feel great. She graduated from Cornell University with honors, went to medical school at UC Irvine, and got her master's degree at UCLA in community health education. Dr. Liz walks her own talk. When she turned 50 a few years ago, she celebrated by climbing to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. Dr. Liz has two young adult sons and enjoys hiking and Argentine tango with her husband. Well, welcome. This is Dr. Liz Lister, and I'm, I'm really so happy to be speaking with you now because I can't even tell you how recently I keep um, having conversations with women who are in, in particular, perimenopause. So yes. I'm really thrilled to have this opportunity to speak to you today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. For people who aren't familiar with your work, I, I just want to start with a very general question. of how, how would you describe your OBGYN practice and who do you see? Because I think it's sort of interesting who you do see. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. In fact, my practice is very narrowed down. It was OBGYN, that's my training, and I keep up my board certification, but I stopped delivering babies a long time ago, about 15 years ago or so. They, they tend to wake me up at night, so prefer to sleep at night. So stopped OB, that was the first thing, and then it kept narrowing. I was doing the full gynecology, including surgeries, then I let go of the surgery part, I was having my kids around this time, so I kept narrowing, narrowing, and now I have a complete focus on my, really my favorite topic, which is anything related to hormone balance. So I specialize in menopause and perimenopause, all right, mm -hmm. and then it got to be, this was, was a little over 10 years ago where a lot of my women were asking me to help their husbands, which I was wow, able to do. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how I started seeing men in my practice as well right? Because before that, I, I really hadn't. Okay. And so that is how men eventually came into my practice. And they're a lot of fun to take care of. They're a lot simpler than we are from a hormonal standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun to, and relatively easy compared to us to get them feeling really great. So it's really fun. But I love what I do. It's really the focus. And it's a concierge practice. So I've moved away from a lot, moved away from the insurance world, moved away from the usual pieces of uh, the OBGYN to have this very, for me, a very fun focus on anything related to hormone balance. 
And it's my understanding, too, that as a concierge service, that gives you the freedom to spend much more time, right, with your patients. Exactly. There was just a special, actually, last night on PBS about a woman in the Midwest who had started a concierge service for that reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I'm curious, I am curious that was there a similar reason that the women actually wanted their husbands or male partners to see you? Or was it all different reasons? I have a particular specialty in people who have been or have felt dismissed by their regular doctors. There's actually a study Mm -hmm. that shows the thousands of dollars that people spend not getting the help that they need. Mm -hmm. You probably see this in the area that you focus on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the regular medical world, it just isn't meeting people's needs. And that's what's happening. Of course, that's happening to women. We know that. But it's also happening to men. They're feeling the same things that we're feeling as we get older. We, we might feel tired. We might have weight gain. We might be doing everything right. We're eating well. We're going to the gym or we're exercising. And it's not giving the results that it used to give. And that is due to the hormonal changes primarily mm. the way from my perspective. And that happens to men as well. In fact, it's less obvious sure. because women, we go through, we go into menopause. And there's usually lots of, a little bit of turbulence in that last couple of years for a lot of women. But for mm-hmm. men, it's, it's more gradual. It's very gradual. And so they really get dismissed. And sometimes they'll even ask their doctor to check their testosterone level. The doctor will say no. So really? that's how yeah. a lot of men end up in my practice. Mm-hmm. It's about 10% of my practice. It's 90% women, about 10% men. <laughs> so a lot. But again, with that common experience of you're fine, you just have to live with it. I call that the J word, just. You're just getting mm-hmm. older. Implying that there's nothing that can be done about it, but that couldn't be further from the truth. And I think also implying that aging is just like a downhill trajectory, that you're no longer living and expanding and, and yes. you know, growing yes. and have any purpose. Yes, you that's know, sort is- of a, uh, a challenge that we have. I'll say in the U.S., but probably other areas of the world as well, although... As we were discussing, my family's from Argentina, and there are cultures where older people are really valued and treasured for their life experience, for Mm. their wisdom, their knowledge. We tend to be, in the U.S., we tend to have a little bit of a youth-worshipping problem. I'm going to call it a problem. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's exactly right. And a lot of doctors, unfortunately, buy into that and don't help people feel their best. At every age. That's one of my lines that I like to talk about. This thought just popped into my head, and I suppose that could be because they're not feeling so great themselves. I mean, that's absolutely true. Right. Right. And when I hear people's stories, even of of quite young doctors of what who moved into a more holistic or concierge practice that they speak very bluntly to the disconnect with their training and what they're experiencing with their patients, and, which is interesting. Yeah. So I, I love your two books, and I'm curious. Thank you. Go for great. 
Guide, and speaking of age, guide to thrive at every age. Exactly. Which I am definitely. <laughs> You're, I think that's, that. that's wonderful. Yeah. 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 And also the sacred, which one came first, sacred libido? Well, actually, or? that's funny because, okay, I have my very first book. I have it right here and I'm going to show it to you. So obviously I did not send it to you, but I can send it to you. So this is my little, oh, okay. this is the very first book I wrote. And it's actually misnamed. This book's really about perimenopause. And I wrote oh, this great. book in 2009. I've been through it, it with a fine tooth comb since then to make sure everything's still up to date. And then in 2019 was Go For Great. That's when I published that mm-hmm. one. So just before the pandemic. And that was really very enjoyable. And great is an acronym in the book. We can get into that a little bit more. Yeah. But it's really, yeah. the, as it says, the guide to thrive at every age. Really, the the main points that I work with, the Easy Guide to Menopause is, well, the subtitle is Five Simple Steps to Balancing Your Hormones and Feeling Like Yourself Again, which is still the process that I take patients through when I work with people. Then the Go for Great, that evolved out of wanting to get a, a bigger message out, which is to what you were just talking about that as we get older, we have the opportunity to thrive. Yeah, and I would say actually post, well, I'm not sure if I'm using the right language, but you've done the perimenopausal menopause that, yeah, there is this desire like, whoa, oh, okay. Yeah. It's all about me right now. It's like your body is sending you a message. That's right. It's a freedom. It's a, a lot of people experience a big, big freedom. It's, it's really awesome. And Sacred Libido, which you have there, that's my latest book. I just wrote it a few months ago, and I'm teaching classes based on it, and I'm having a lot of fun really diving into that topic. It's a challenging topic for anyone to talk about. We're, again, my, my Latin American background has been an advantage for me in terms of body confidence. It's not a have to look a certain way to be attractive and attracted and feel attracted and feel attraction as, as mm. we have here in the U.S. And my fascination with that topic led to uh, that most recent book. So I love writing. There's definitely more topics in my head that will come out probably sooner than later. Do you feel overwhelmed with the thought of transforming your health? If the idea of creating a balanced diet, managing stress, and forming new sleep patterns stresses you out, don't worry, I am here to help. As an experienced integrative health coach, I can help you develop signature health strategies that work for your lifestyles and goals. After working with me, my clients have lost weight, improved their sleep, and reversed lifestyle diseases. I'm offering three free strategy sessions before the end of the month. Click the link in the description of this podcast to book yours today. I love that connection to your your culture. As we were talking before we started recording that I I used to teach Spanish and, and one of my most dearest colleagues, she's an amazing dancer and the sexuality that's in Latin dancing, right? That yes. it doesn't matter how old you are and that freedom, like, no, I mean, yeah, this is... <laughs> that's right. She would get on the dance floor sometimes and some people would go, whoa, Karinita. 
you're really, really good dancer. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So great. And freedom in the body to move. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. Dancing is a one of many wonderful ways for us, especially as women, but for men as well. You know, we're all human beings. We all can gain access to being in our body. A lot of women, I think men, not as much. Women, we often relate to our body like this giant sack of potatoes that is over our shoulder. We have to hoist it around and drag it around and do things to it to make it meet other people's standards rather than being in our own bodies. Most people, when they get to thinking about it, realize that what's the biggest ingredient to attraction is confidence, self-confidence. And we want that. We strive for that. Part of it, and I'm always looking at the hormonal angle <laughs> and the hormonal changes that we go through in life as women definitely contribute to not feeling as good about life in general, including ourselves. And so that is really my, that's my motivation. It's not for women to be a particular way. It's for women to be the way they want to be and feel the energy and the motivation, uh, get along with their children, get along with their partners, co-workers, and the hormonal changes that we go through definitely can impact that negatively. So when we balance the hormones, we can really improve quality of life. I'm really curious. But so when you said that you think men are more in generally mm -hmm. in their bodies than women. So I used to always, up until now, generalize and think, oh, no, women are more if, if. You are aware, like, especially when you're menstruating yes. and aware of your cycle and really thinking about it and, and respecting it, how you feel. I always thought, well, no, we're more in tune with our bodies, but but I guess it's in a very complex way, actually, yes. now that based on what yes. you just said, it's not just like, oh, I, you know, I'm feeling tired. Oh, yeah. why am I feeling tired? Oh, that's what <laughs> That's yes, exactly. You're absolutely right. We definitely are forced to be more involved <laughs> with our bodies. We have to. I mean, men don't deal with periods. Okay? Right. And it's really, and this is something I'm going to dive into at some point. I don't know if it'll be a chapter in a book, or I don't know if it's an entire book, but to, to really dive deeper into this topic, because men when they're in their bodies, they are, they're, they're not having a critical negative experience, <laughs> usually, right. usually. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. we as women tend to really, really give ourselves a hard time. And one of the many things I encourage women to do is when you see yourself in the morning in the mirror is say hi. The way you'd say hi mm -hmm. to a, a beloved friend. Yeah. As opposed to, uh, oh. what, do I, what do I need to fix today? What, what's the matter now that I have to improve and fix? And what am I going to do to this package today uh, <laughs> to be able to go out in the world? So just take I a moment. And, yeah. Just take a moment. Look yourself in the eye and hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 
I, I can't remember her name now. She's a, you know, motivational speaker. And I, one of her things is that, you know, look in the mirror and say, you've got this, mm. you know, give yourself a high five. But I think the high is really powerful because you're really, really looking at yourself. I mean, that's a pause. That's a, ooh, I'm going to make that part of my morning yeah, ritual. Yeah, it's an easy thing to add. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So what do you think, you know, if there's so many met, myths out there. Would you call them myths or yes. just misinformation about hormones? Yes. And whoa, how, wh- where do you even begin with that with your patients? I mean, really, and I have people who ask me, well, you know, I can't, I'm going through perimenopause. I'm like, ah, crazy. I feel like I've lost my mind or I'm so uncomfortable with the physical, whatever the yeah. symptoms they are. But how do yeah. you even begin with that? Yes, absolutely. It really is a challenge. Two places that I begin. Number one is I ask the woman that I'm speaking with, what have you heard? What is your take? So I need to gauge the level of fear. The other starting place when we get into talking about the details, and I talk about this in, I think, all of my books just about, but definitely in Go For Great, definitely in with Dr. Liz's Easy Guide to Menopause. And that is the over 20-year-old study that is called the Women's Health Initiative, or the WHI. That is where the trouble began. This was a huge study, biggest of its kind, probably won't even happen again. And what we know in retrospect is that they studied the wrong women, the wrong hormones, and the wrong route of administration of the hormones. Those are the three things we now know. And I definitely talk about that in the Go For Great. I just distill it right down. Stood out. (laughs) Just right to it. So this is a great place to begin. The punchline of the correct hormones to use is to use hormones that are the word I like to use is bioidentical. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have heard that word. A lot of women have yes. heard that word. But a lot of women have not yet heard that word. So if they're hearing it on your podcast for the first time, that's just fantastic. Oh, great. All it means is that it's the same kind of hormone that your body used to make plenty of. Back when you were just feeling good and feeling good energy and get up in the morning and go do your things and enjoy life, feel pretty balanced, sleep well at night, manage your weight. All of that is when things are in a nice balance. And so we want to use bioidentical hormones. The WHI study did not use. They used horse estrogen and they used a non-bioidentical progestin. And that's very, very important because those particular hormones are associated with the health risks that doctors and women think are connected to all hormones. And it's just not true. Wow. That's just bringing up a whole other topic about studies and women. We could talk about it. Maybe maybe that's for another podcast. Sure. Absolutely. But yeah. So so do you get a lot of pushback when you explain this or people think, oh, Dr. Lister, do you really you know what I mean? Because it's been ingrained yeah. 
There'd Very been, ingrained. There's so much publicity about it. Yeah. Funny, funny you should say that, Sarah, because when the WH, when those findings came out uh, in 2002-2003, that they stopped an arm of the study because it showed a trend, not statistically significant, but it showed a trend towards more breast cancer in the women using the, again, non-bioidentical estrogen and progestin. They went to the media, they did a, a press conference first before they even published the data for us doctors to look at. And so I knew right away that something was not yeah. right about what was, and, and it, it took a while to unpack it. And, and there's a whole lot more that we could say about the data. But to your question of people pushing back, you know, by the time women get to me, they don't feel good and they have not gotten the help they need. Right. All right. And they've usually done some research, which I prefer. Not that I've ever seen anybody go on the internet and feel better. Right. <laughs> okay. If anything, not saying that. Feel worse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, it's always worst case scenario, whatever symptom you're having. Yeah. But by the time they get to me, they really, they've educated themselves. They've advocated for themselves. Mm. They've tried to get the help they need from their regular doctors with, without success. So that by, because of that, I don't get as much pushback as, as you might imagine. And I'm not here to persuade anybody to use hormones, by the right. way. I love right. hormones. I went into menopause when I was 43. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was really that young. Was, that's been a surprise or had that it happened to your Yeah, It was a surprise, yes. Yes, my mother had had a hysterectomy and her ovaries removed in her 30s. So um, we didn't know, we didn't have any didn't idea yeah. what to expect. And, you know, family history is not that strong, by the way, uh, unless a woman has very strong presence of a particular age of menopause. If, if her mother went into menopause at age 35 and her four sisters went into menopause super duper young, yes, okay, it could have a genetic piece to it. But mm -hmm. it's really, I mean, things are so different generationally, right? 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the food that was around, the portions that were around, Life was different. The stress that was around, uh, life was different from a hormonal standpoint. But I went into menopause when I was 43, and it was a surprise to realize that I was in menopause. I had been having issues with my cycle, and so I pursued getting my doctor to give me the IUD, the intrauterine device that, that gets rid of the period. So mm -hmm. I wasn't actually having a period, and I checked my labs. I was writing my first book. I thought, I'm, I'm writing a book. I should probably do this process on myself. So right. I did. And my numbers were way in menopause. Super duper, like not borderline, way in menopause. Wow. And at that point, I was already aware of the data and the bioidentical hormones being beneficial and safe. So I had about one hot flash. And at that point, I still had a gynecology office. So I had samples. I opened the cupboard. I reached in and I got a patch and I put that patch on my hip, and mm -hmm. that was that. So I really didn't hesitate yeah. because I was aware of the ways. That's very important, is that we use estrogen through the skin. Oh, okay. That, that was another big drawback in the WHI. So one was the hormones that they used. The, uh, another was the method, the route of administration. So right. women, they were given oral estrogen. And this so is why not good is because it's it, better than, than oral? 
Right. So we want transdermal. We want it to not go through the oral route. And that's because, this is something super familiar to you, when we eat, when we take something by mouth, goes to the stomach, into the bloodstream, straight over to the liver, as we call it, the first pass effect. Right. Right. It stimulates the liver to produce blood clotting factors. And that uh, is why these women had an increased risk of heart attack, uh, stroke, uh, blood clots. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was because of that. So with wow. transdermal, I mean, these are published studies. Right. It's, it, the, the North American Menopause Society is very slowly moving in the right direction. Uh, their most recent position statement, they let go of the timing limitations that they had in place before that based on the WHI. So that was the third thing that was wrong. Three out of three was they studied the wrong women. If I put you in a study and I'm going to have a treatment and a placebo, if you're younger in menopause and you're still having symptoms, you're going to know which group you're in. (laughs) Okay, so you can't do that study. So what did they do? They studied older women. They were 5, 10, 15, or more years into menopause, no longer having symptoms. So what we now know is that when you don't balance hormones, inflammation can set in. So starting the hormones earlier is better. And I was very excited for the mainstream North American Menopause Society to put that in their position paper, that the data shows that starting the hormones sooner is going to yield more benefits. We have a modern problem now is that we live so long. Right. That yeah. didn't used to be the case. A couple mm-hmm. hundred years ago, only 5% of women reached age 50. Mm-hmm. This is not an issue. Yeah, it's dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm in Silicon Valley. I've got women competing with young, younger people, 20s and 30s. They need their brain firing on all cylinders. They need mm-hmm. to feel good. They, they have partners, they want to have fun, they want to have a satisfying intimate life, they, things that weren't priorities long time ago. Right, no, it's true. I even think my, my grandparents all lived to be pretty old. I mean, three out of four of them lived into their 80s, which back then was, was not common. But I wanted to go back to your what you said about inflammation because yeah. because you know I'm all about the gut and yes. um, everything's related, right? You, you get yes. the we're all related. In this uh, huge study that was done, the the twin study, and they have discovered that you know very clearly that you want to be proactive before you're your body's plateauing. And now we're just talking about your strength, you know, that we know most people plateau in their 40s or 50s. And then most, your strength isn't driven by your genetics. It's more your lifestyle and diet. And so the sooner, if you avoid the inflammation at a younger age, you're going to have less issues because as you age, everything is slowing down, you know, so. Yes. mm, You know, I, I needed to have met you you <laughs> A lot of people say that. I just tr- maybe it's ne- well. I'm hearing you say it's never too late. I mean, I that That's definitely right. was the message in your book. So I'm calling That's you right. later. <laughs> but, um, Wonderful. Yeah, I had no. Yeah, it could have made things a lot easier. Yes, that is my goal. 
that is my goal in reaching out to women who are younger in the perimenopause, which can be 10 or more years before mm -hmm. actually going into menopause. So the definition of menopause is one whole year without your period. Of course, sometimes women have a hysterectomy, uh, depending on whether they have their ovaries removed, may or may not put them into menopause, but that would be a surgical menopause. And also to a point that you've mentioned really briefly, I use the words menopause and postmenopause interchangeably. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're absolutely right. A lot of people use the definitions differently. It's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. As long as women get the help that they need to feel good, right. then, then we're fine. However, that's, I, I just use those words interchangeably. Once a woman is in menopause, somebody asked me the, this week, how long does this last? <laughs> and I, 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 I <laughs> like forever for the rest of your life. You're here. You've arrived. This is it. This is menopause. So anyway, I didn't quite say it that bluntly. I, I kind of eased her more into this idea. She was asking about symptoms. How long do symptoms last? Mm -hmm. And they last usually at least a couple of years, mm -hmm. sometimes longer. As we were saying, perimenopause can be 10 or more years before the actually going into menopause. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. Now, I'm just going to use myself as an example. I mean, I think sometimes I, I did experience hot flashes when I was back in that day. But recently, I... They popped up. I thought, whoa, am I getting younger? <laughs> no, thought, yes. What is this? Yeah. So that's why I'm really, yeah. yeah, it does go on forever. I mean, it does. It does. And half of women never completely stop having symptoms. And this is not well understood. Doctors assume that it's all temporary and it's all going to go away. And I've had plenty of patients who come to me because they've had symptoms for so long and the doctors are just saying, oh, we'll just wait another year, wait another year. <laughs> like, well, I don't, I don't feel good now. I cannot wait another year. I want to feel good now. So there's that. Yeah. I do want to dive into your whole discussion in your book, which is so interesting about the specific hormones, especially the ones for me, I'm really curious because of, well, they all relate to the gut, but the, your discussion of cortisol, as well as DHEA, but any of them. But I just, could sure. you just explain how all of these hormones really, I just think your explanation is so clear in your, your book about them. Thank you. Thank you. Good. That's, that's the goal. Well, you're mentioning adrenal hormones, and that's very important because our adrenals are what keep us going when we're exhausted. Especially as women, you know, sometimes we make fun of men for if they're tired, they sleep. If they have sniffles, they stay home. So instead, what we could do is maybe borrow a page out of their book and actually pay attention and honor how we're feeling. But hey, that's just an idea. So with our, our adrenals really are what keep us going. So the adrenals make the cortisol. Cortisol is the stress hormone. Right. They make cortisol until they can't anymore. So adrenals go through stages. And regular doctors only 
recognize, and we're only taught in medical school the extremes. There's adrenal failure and there's adrenal tumors that overproduce cortisol. But really, there's a huge area in between. When we are not feeling good, when we're tired and we just muscle through it, that's our adrenals that we are putting stress on. DHEA is a wonderful quality of life hormone, anti-aging, anti-inflammation, helps with mood, libido, helps with a lot of, as I'm saying, quality of life factors. However, our DHA level is generally going to be really low when our adrenals are focused on keeping us going. Right. right. So when I do the evaluation, I measure all these levels and I can see what stage things are at <laughs> between right. the history that she tells me and what the numbers show. We put it all together and see what we need to do. So what you're saying with the read with the cortisol, the failure, when we're muscling through, let me just yes, do it that yes. way, because I would say, well, we all, we live in a world right now where depending on your choice of what you're yes. going to allow into your mind, I would say, yes. it's, it's very stressful. There's no, for anybody, I mean, I don't right. think it matters what your circumstances are, quite frankly, unless you're living on the top of a mountain, maybe removed from society. But so that I think yeah. uh, the idea of people experiencing chronic stress, then right. you would say people have been experiencing chronic stress and they're able to muscle through it or they've just adapted to it, right? I mean, yes. I, I, in, I definitely went through a period like that. I didn't even realize that, that that's why I couldn't in this case. I didn't even, I couldn't lose weight. I wasn't trying to lose weight, but I was eating really healthy. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. And then till all of a sudden I wasn't stressed. And guess what? Everything changed. But is that what you're saying? That if people who experience chronic stress, they, they might appear to be doing okay. I mean, or look to the yeah. world like they're even thriving, um, I suppose. But right. Their bodies on the inside. You know, what you look like on the outside isn't necessarily what's happening on the inside. Absolutely, right? We, we know that better than most. That's absolutely right. Yes, so there's one other piece that's important, that before menopause, when our ovaries are cycling every month, our ovaries are producing about half of our testosterone and the adrenals produce the other half. When we go into menopause, we lose that ovarian production of testosterone. And it falls more on the adrenals to produce testosterone. Now, let's compare to men. Men For men, testosterone is their main central hormone of all the hormone system. And okay. they derive all the benefits from that. So mood stability, metabolism, developing muscle, results at the gym, feeling good energy, all of that is boosted by testosterone. And so is resilience. So is stress tolerance. I like that phrase, stress tolerance. So a lot of times women are doing their follow-ups with me and we've got them feeling better. And then they're saying things to me, for example, you know, I have so much going on and for some reason it's just not throwing me off like it used to. 
Oh. So that's what I mean when I use the phrase stress tolerance. Stress tolerance. Huh. Yes. And testosterone helps a lot with that. And men are bathed in it. They have at least 10 times as much as we do or more. Wow. And testosterone really helps you manage. And men always have testosterone. I mean, their levels decline. It declines quite a bit. Of one one uh, percent or more every year starting at age 30 for men mm-hmm. so they really go through a lot uh, but m- again more gradually not as noticeable i compare it to the boiling frog story where mm-hmm. the frog doesn't realize there's a problem with the water heating up heating up heating up until mm-hmm. it's too late right yeah so it's more yeah. like that for the men whereas we have more attention getting symptoms <laughs> <laughs> Not care. <laughs> yeah, well, it well, just makes it different. <laughs> it's different. It is different. Yeah, we're definitely built of strong stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. I I want to ask you this question in in your in your book or in the introduction. You talk about how you take. I'm gonna. T- I want to talk about your relationship. In, in the book about the sacred libido and, and women and their libido and and how you started taking tango dance lessons with your husband, I thought, oh, wow. Could you explain to everybody? Because I won't say just eloquently as you. I just thought that was an eye opener to me. I thought, yeah. this is great. What was the effect on your relationship? But But why did you do that or... I'm sure there are a lot of reasons, but <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it's a little bit of a microcosm of relationships when you're dancing tango because there has to be a leader and a follower. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and it's my opportunity to let my husband be the leader, and mm-hmm. for me to take some time and be the follower in the dance. If I try to take over the lead, it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Very frustrating, <laughs> right? So a lot of communication needs to happen, and not necessarily verbal. It's, it's in the physical, it's in the connection, uh, mm-hmm. in the embrace, in particular in tango. Mm-hmm. And of course, because my family's Argentine, I've been raised around tango music. My grandmother used to play beautiful tangos, all the classics on the piano. Mm-hmm. Oh, that wow. just been in my brain from Yeah, you have the from rhythm. Birth. Yeah. Yes. And when I, ver- I, I first took classes a long, long time ago, probably almost 30 years ago, and the, usually when you take tango classes, it's taught by a couple. Mm-hmm. So you've got the leader and follower in the instructors. And then the leader, I'll just say man and woman. It doesn't have to be, but that's mm-hmm. just most typical. Mm-hmm. The man of, of the couple of the instructors, the man will take the leaders on one side of the room and teach some steps. And the woman will take the women, the followers, Mm-hmm. to the side of the room and teach the followers how, how does how do the steps move together and so the very first time i took a class the woman said to us the instructor said to the women when she had us on our own she goes this is the one place we let the men think that they're in charge <laughs> so i thought that was very awesome and very fun we so i was taking classes before i met my husband oh, okay. and i I, I, of course, dancing is very important to me. I love it. Self-expression mm-hmm. is one of my core values. And for me, mm-hmm. dance is a form of self-expression. So it was very important to me to, that we would go dancing. But I didn't care what kind of dancing. So first, it was just easy, you know, go dancing at a 
bar type of environment, just pop music. That was fine. So that was super fun. Then there was a salsa class. Mm-hmm. So for people who are interested in dance classes, salsa is easier to learn. Kind of like the difference between skiing and snowboarding. Yeah. <laughs> One's easy to learn and hard to master, and the other is the other way. And I always forget which is which, but I will yeah. tell you that salsa is easier to learn. And so we went to a class, and so that was fine. He enjoyed that. And then I said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to this evening at the social dance. We call them milongas for mm. the tango. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the milonga, this couple that runs this particular social dance once a month would teach a class. Mm-hmm. They do a wonderful job with beginners. And so he came to that, and he, he really, really enjoyed it. He just enjoyed it. He goes, I want to learn more about this. I'm like, okay. Because it's not easy. It's not easy to learn to no, learn I mean, I, tango. I, had the Have you tried it? Watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's there are intricate <laughs> steps. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. The uh, that's the fancy. A lot of people have seen what we call stage tango. Mm. Okay, so when you're dancing in a social environment, you are not doing the extreme <laughs> fancy moves that you mm. might see in a tango show. In fact, you will get dirty looks if you flick your foot up too high or, or anything like. That. Yeah, you gotta keep it nicey. The, the important, the, the most important part is the embrace. It's the mm-hmm. embrace. It's the feeling against each other, allowing the leader to lead. Another time that I was taking classes a few years back, there was an assistant instructor who told me that he had a lot of local therapists refer women to him and to this class to learn how to Take a moment and relinquish control. Yeah, to relax. I yes. mean, to let relax, go, right? I'm relax thinking, into you know, it. You're, obviously, the woman has to embrace too. We can't. Yes, that's right. Around the floor. That's a, that's very important. <laughs> that, yeah. Yes. Wow. That's a very important point. We're not there to just be collapsed onto yeah. him, and he's doing the leader's doing everything. That's not the case, and it's definitely not woman man that that doesn't matter at all but there's leader and follower doesn't matter the gender of of the person what matters is there being a leader and follower uh in fact i've I've never done this but there is a form of tango where couples switch leader follower during the dance Uh, i was going to ask you that 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 exists interesting to observe yes and i wonder if that would it really would i'm gonna i'm gonna make a point of finding out where that is san francisco bay area is one of the biggest areas of tango in the u.s really yes so there's tons of instructors tons of classes it's just a matter of of looking up what's in one's area Uh, but it's a lot of fun really really enjoy it and it's been very interesting for our marriage. Sometimes it's caused trouble when mm. I'm giving too much feedback because <laughs> I've been taking glasses longer than he has. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just have to zip it and let him lead and, and then I follow. If I don't happen to do the step that he wanted, it's because I didn't feel the lead. And that's important for him to know and to learn. And that's really valuable. So we really do enjoy it. It's a nice, it's a really nice activity. I, I just, I encourage dance classes of any kind for, for people to do. You learn a lot, obviously, because it you is do. a way of communicating on a very, yeah, on a physical level. And it's very yes. obvious when the communication, right? You can't That's start, right. Uh, 
<laughs> smooth That's talkers. Right. It's exactly. Obvious. The yep. communication isn't going well. Oh, wow. So in, in your study of the hormones, and I know when I, uh, when I was becoming certified as a health coach and, you know, we did a lot with hormones, but it's such a complex, it is such a complex subject, but it is related to the microbiome. But I'm just wondering, so as an expert in hormones, when did you first become aware or of the, about the gut microbiome and the importance of it? Definitely at the conferences that I chose to attend when I started learning about bioidentical hormones. We, oh. we talk about the gut a lot. We, mm -hmm. The gut is essential for metabolizing hormones. Right. right. If the gut's not working well, that's going to impact hormone balance. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the more I learn, the more it's all about the gut. Yeah, it really is. And, and it's just like what you've said in your books, like you have the knowledge, the body of knowledge, but the client, the patient, they're the ones who have the body. But the That's physical, right. They, the knowledge we of the body. We don't know how they're reacting yeah. to things. So yeah, that is the wonderful freedom that we have to create health because if you get in touch with your gut, you can make changes and they can happen pretty quickly in some cases. Very quickly. And others, maybe it's much longer term process, but that's the exciting part of gut health, I think. It gives, gives the individual so much opportunity to experiment with their diet and their lifestyle because, like you say, exercise is important to, I mean, everything is interrelated and, and stress, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it forces us to look at ourselves holistically, I think. And that's what it seems like hormones do, too. Absolutely. That is definitely how I look at it. As you said, it's all interrelated. Everything affects the rest of the system. But hormones are messengers. The hormone molecules are messengers that can move around the body. And, of course, the gut is also very important hormonally. We were talking about, you know, we mentioned metabolism uh, but also in terms of what that microbiome is producing. That right. influences how we're feeling, how what we think, everything. Right. right. So the good news is we know we now know have a much better sense of what we need to feed it in order to create health. So it is like what you say in your book, it is all about plant you don't have to be a vegan, but plant based plant-based diet. Yes. So that's the key. And the other interesting thing is, is that we also know now it's all about diversity. It's not like, you, yes, no, we're not talking about eating spinach every single day. And that's great. in your salad right. <laughs> saying, well, especially I think for people who have busy schedules, right? Yeah. They, you know, it's easy to have that routine, but that's, we need much more than that. So it's so great that you specialize in hormones because I think it's been a topic that up until recently, not unlike the gut either, that there's been all this lack of information maybe or expertise or you know, yes. understanding and to empower the, the individual, right? To feel their yes. best. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you the question, if you could go back 20 years... 
and give yourself some health advice, what would that be? That is such a fun question. That is really something. I would say that it would be to keep focusing on exercise as a way of staying strong. 20 years ago is when my kids were little. I was okay from a food standpoint, which of course is a most important thing for most of how we feel. Uh, however, that's what I would say. You know, I was really into exercise and I would say, keep that up. Keep more of a focus on that. Do what you can to stay strong. I think that's, I think that's what I would tell her. Oh, I love that. I love Twyla Tharp, the choreographer. Yes. <laughs> and she wrote this book at, I think, age 80 or maybe 78. Yes. But you can see video clips of her doing her morning routine. I, I always have her picture to my mind, speaking of keeping moving. Right? <laughs> nice. It's so it. true. So true, because everything's moving inside of our body, but we want to help it to keep moving. It's meant to move if we're alive, puts very simplistically. <laughs> yes, I love that. That's great. That's absolutely true. Well, is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience about how, how they can reach you? Or Absolutely. My website is the best place to go, www.drlizmd.com. Uh, there's a quiz that people can take there, the hormone quiz. It's very detailed, asks a lot of questions, and it will then let you know where you're at in the stage of the whole hormone process Thank as you. we go through life. And there's a contact form. There's all sorts of information. And as I mentioned, I really prefer when people know a little bit about me first. A lot of times people are referred to me and I say, did you look at my website? No, no, my sister said I should call you. So I called. I was like, well, okay, that's great. But, you know, take a look. I've written so many articles. You can really, th there's just a lot on the mm -hmm. website. So that's really, that's the best place for people to learn more and reach out, get in touch with me, join the online community. If, mm -hmm. if, you do, if you're getting good help from your current team of, of healthcare professionals, that's awesome. Then just join my online community so that we can keep in communication. I can keep everyone posted with latest news and exciting updates. I, I, I really, really enjoy that and to help spread the word the biggest message that I like to spread is to not tolerate not feeling your best. Mm. Get rid of the J word. We're just. Put a circle around it, a line through it, and do not accept if someone says you're just getting older or you're just, you just have to accept it as though there's nothing that can be done because that's not true. There's plenty that can be done to help you feel your best. That's a wonderful, positive way to end our conversation. Thank you so very much for your time and your knowledge and your expertise. It's really been a lot of fun and very Thank enlightening. You. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. Thank you. For over 25 years, I was a teacher, and one of my greatest joys in life is seeing people light up when they have an aha moment. It is pure magic. I've now combined teaching with my knowledge of health into live workshops. I teach throughout the country about gut health and how to transform your health. If you'd like to know when I'll be in your city, subscribe to my newsletter in the description of this podcast.